You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Most of us are registered, right? Um, and, oh, thank you. I'm so sorry. And yeah, tonight I want to talk a little bit about kind of our attitude in going to the EMC. Who here has not been to an EMC before? Okay, okay a few of us. Okay. And um, if you went to the GLC, oh, actually. The majority of you actually did not go to the GLC. Mm-hmm. This is your first conference ever. Um, and talk to your discipler. Most of us have gone to a conference. So please talk to your discipler and get a lot of like how-tos on how to do this because you want to come up with a good schedule. You want to mm-hmm. come up with a good plan because you want to maximize your experience at the conference. So I'm not talking necessarily about too many practicals on a scheduling aspect, but I want to talk about the heart uh, going into the conference. And um, and something that can really stop us from giving our hearts or missing a lot of what God wants to teach us is selfishness. And so I want to talk about that tonight. So the title of my lesson is Selfishness Destroys God's Goodness. So um, this is really good for me because all of my quiet times were on being a servant last week. Why? Because I struggle a lot with being selfish. And so I wanted to study out what it really looks like to be a servant and Jesus' example in this. And so my first point is humility means it's not about me. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> um, turn with me to Luke 22. Come on, Becca. Preach. You guys alive after work today? about what it looks like to really be a servant and obviously the best example of that is looking at Jesus and uh, he was the greatest servant he defines what a servant is and he didn't have to become a servant because he was a king but he chose to come down and to serve us and to leave us an example of what we're supposed to do actually as disciples and so in verse 24 of chapter 22 in Luke, <laughs> reiterate that for you in case you missed it. Luke 22. I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse 24. It says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Why would a dispute arise among them? Let's look. In uh, verse 20, it says, or actually starting in verse 19, it says, And he, talking about Jesus, took bread, give thanks, and broke it, and gave, gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is, my, is, with, me, is, oh, sorry, is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who, is betray- who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. And we pick up. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. You are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. 
and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me with me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So, it's the night before Jesus dies, and he says that it's the last supper. He's breaking bread, he's giving thanks, and he tells them that someone's going to betray him, and they start to dispute among themselves and talk about, like, who could it be? Who is it going to be that betrays Jesus? And it says a dispute also arises among them about which of them was considered to be the greatest. And I feel like that's so random. Like, why would he be talking about that? But it was like, Jesus knew that he was going to die. And they understood if Jesus died, a place of leadership opened up. And they're like talking about, oh, who's it going to be? Like, oh, Peter, that's going to be Peter. But Peter's going to be our leader now. And they're like going around choosing who they think is going to be the leader. Which is kind of really sad because it's like if you were, think about who's the closest person to you. And if you knew that they were going to die that next day, would you be talking about taking their place? No. <laughs> well, you'd think you wouldn't. But it's like they actually, they reveal our very own hearts. Is that we very well would have been in their same exact mm-hmm. position fighting over, no, no, I'm better, I'm better. Or like, I'm going to leave this. Um, and it's really sad because the scene shows how selfishness ruins our capacity to worship Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was like it stole and it blinded them from what was actually happening. Instead of spending time with Jesus and being like, wow, like I can't believe this is your last hours. Like, we just want to be near you. Can we come pray with you? What can we do to serve you, Jesus? Because they were super selfish, they can't see clearly. Mm-hmm. And I think in our culture here, um, we don't necessarily... I think most of us would agree that we wouldn't necessarily be the people that are fighting for the position of leadership, but I think that we can relate on a level of selfishness and our selfishness blinding us from seeing what we really need to be doing. And um, and they were blinding to what Jesus is trying to teach them um, because they're selfish, self-focused desires, essentially. And, um, and instead of just being in the moment, they were, they were focused on what was going to happen later. Mm-hmm. And I love in the uh, skit when Victoria is talking to the sister in Toronto, and then she's like, but she's not really in the moment. She's like focusing on what's happening over yeah. here and kind of like, she's looking at the person, but also not really focusing on them. Mm-hmm. She's like focusing on what she needs to get done. It's like, man, that that's a struggle for me. It's like giving someone undivided attention mm-hmm. because it's like I'm thinking about all the other things that need to get done. And the reason is it's my selfishness. It's my selfishness of, like, I want to look good. I want things to come together perfectly instead of just trusting. Amen. If it doesn't happen the way that I instructed, we'll just have a talk afterwards and I'll come back to that, you know. But, um, but I, think, um, I think selfishness is what blinds us from what God is trying to teach us. Um, but I want you, sisters, to think, what are times selfishness blinded you from what God was trying to teach you? <clears throat> or what is the time that selfishness blinded you, or blocked, sorry, not blinded you, but blocked you from having a good relationship with someone? Um, I'm going to give some examples of what uh, our selfishness does, but also afterwards, like, how God could have used it had we just done it his way. So, um, one is not wanting to face confrontation. 
Who here enjoys confrontation? No nope. nope. No one. And, and even I think if you're good at it, you don't necessarily enjoy it. Right? It's like confrontation isn't fun. It's not easy to like come up to someone. And it's never easy to like, because you have to go in and kind of be the weak one and be like, that really hurt my feelings, right? I know I struggled with that a lot when I first got baptized. It's like, no, then that person's going to know that they won. Speak between the two of us. I'm the weaker one coming out now. Um, but it's um, not not facing confrontation actually steals so many opportunities. Um, God could use it to help you to be closer to that sister. Um, confrontation is actually a doorway for closer intimacy with other people. And Satan wants us to see it as something that's going to actually like, oh, like, like you don't want to face it. But it's like God wants to use it to bring us closer to each other. Um, and it actually helps the other person to get out of sin, too, right? If they're actually yeah. in sin, it helps them to be aware of their sin. Otherwise, we're just sending our, our sisters to hell. Um, persevering in a conversation. This is, when we have visitors, I'm going to get to that in a second. When we have visitors um, and they're in the fellowship, sometimes what can happen is uh, actually also what uh, Victoria illustrated quite well, was that it's um, a lot easier to talk to people that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a lot easier to talk to people that we just click with. This like automatically, you can start having a conversation, you know you'll have fun, um, versus a person that comes that's brand new. Mm-hmm. But it's like when we, all of our, all of us, when we first came into the kingdom, when we first came to church, that was something that probably stuck out to all of us, or how loving the disciples were, how everyone wanted to give you a hug, mm-hmm. everyone wanted to talk to you. Apparently that was their experience coming into the kingdom. <laughs> But, but I think over time what happens is like the longer you're a disciple, if your purpose has not been to make other disciples, then your purpose at church service is just to catch up with each other. Mm. And um, and this is like, it stops us from actually being able to persevere in an awkward conversation. Mm. We've all been in them. We've all been like, there's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> and the worst thing is that no one else will come in and rescue you. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you're just sitting there like, what other topics can I bring up? You know what? Service is going to start in a second. I really need to run to the toilet before we start. And you kind of like get yourself out of the conversation. And we're laughing because we've all done it before, right? It's like, I, I know I've done it too. But actually that selfishness is like an unwillingness to persevere in that conversation. Um, and um, yeah, and, and not wanting to be uncomfortable. So when the conversation dies down, so you just save yourself. Instead of like <clears throat> going through it and asking the deeper questions. I think something else that can happen in the fellowship is we don't ask deep enough, like, mm-hmm. questions that are deep enough, mm-hmm. and we keep things on a surface level, mm-hmm. but who knows what the purpose of the meetings of the body are? Um, encourage one another, so maybe something comes up to the family. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's to encourage one another. Did you guys know the purpose of meetings of the body is not to hear this lesson? <laughs> not the only purpose. Yeah. Now that's yeah. a purpose, right? It's like we get to talk and address, and I get to address everyone, or Colby, or Tamua, or Vienna gets to address everyone. But that's not the whole purpose of midweek. The purpose of midweek church, um, Devo, singles Devo, 
But it's like when we're here as disciples, it's like the purpose is to encourage one another. So, of course, when we have service, our main focus is the visitors. But tonight is midweek, and at Devos, singles Devos, generally, I'm just saying in general, it's like if there's a visitor, that's the focus. But when we're together as a family, our purpose is to put courage into each other. Mm -hmm. So in order to put courage into someone, you have to know what's going on in their life, Mm -hmm. right? The other thing is we have to be open with what's happening in our lives, right? We we have to come ready to give, even give the ugly parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. to midweeks, at at Devo, whatever it might be. That way we can have those relationships Mm -hmm. uh, with one another. Uh, Another area is selfishness at service. So they kind of go hand in hand, but um, who brought a guest to service on Sunday, this past Sunday? Okay. Okay. Look, I want you to hold your hands up. I'm not doing this to shame anyone, but look around. It's like not very many of us, right? And that's actually between two different regions. Okay, you put your hands down. Um, Who had a visitor at Bible Talk last week? Even fewer of us. Great job to the ones that did. Great job. Um, but even fewer of us. What do you think that that means? That we don't have visitors at, at church? We don't have visitors at Bible talk? What do you think is the problem there? Do you think God doesn't want to use you? Never. God wants to use you. God's like, I've been waiting to use you. I want to use each and every one of you. But what it says, like, when we don't have visitors at service, is it's, it's our, our, we're self-focused. We're not focused on our mission to seek and save the lost. Um, now, if you put your whole heart into it, and you were like, I messaged absolutely everyone on my phone, I was sharing the whole week, amen. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not focused on you. But I want you to consider your attitude during the week. Is, is that your focus? I can share for myself, that was, that was not my focus. Honestly. For uh, the last, like, month, Colby's been focused on one, one, one. So one visitor at, uh, well, technically it's a little bit different. It's, uh, his focus has been sharing your faith, bringing visitors, and Bible studies. So that's like been our focus the last month in the West, especially for the Bible talk leaders. And our goal is to have a guest at service, one, just one guest at service. It's like, you can squeeze out a guest at service, right? It's like, if you've worked at it the whole week, you can squeeze that one person out. And actually, the more you're doing it, the easier it becomes. It's just the beginning initial stages. It's tough. It's really hard. When I first started, I honestly, I had very little faith that I would even get a visitor out to church. I was like anxious during the week, like, Okay, service is coming up. Like, I'm the women's leader. I better have someone there, right? And Bible Talk. I felt so nervous because Bible Talk at Imperial is, like, not Bible Talk at Cafe Nero. It's Bible Talk with all these Chinese atheists. And I felt really nervous that, like, no one's going to want to come. And um, it was really hard. But um, I, what was awesome was, like, I just kept praying and just consistency. God just blesses that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've had, been by, literally just by God's grace, I've been able to have a visitor at Bible talk every week and at service every week. Mm-hmm. And that was not something that was the norm for me all the time. And like, I just want to encourage you, sisters, like, I'm not different. We are not different from each other. Just how the Bible says Elijah was no different. Mm-hmm. He was a man just like us. Mm-hmm. God used him for awesome things. 
God's waiting to use us for awesome things, but we have to make ourselves available. And I think one thing that the reason that I stayed out selfishness was that I was actually, I could not see it in my own life. I could not see it. Colby had to break down a whole situation. And at first I was like, no, like, I'm not being selfish. Like, I just, you know, and I was coming up with all these, I was like, Saul, I was coming up with all these different excuses about why I wasn't selfish. And I prayed about the next day. I was like, wow, I can't see it at all for myself. That's actually, it scared me. It reminded me of the scripture in Psalms, I think 32, that says they love their sin too much to detect or hate it. I couldn't detect it in my life. I needed other people. And it wasn't, trust me, it was not just Colby, it was Michelle. It was like every situation happening in my life. God was making it more and more and more clear, my selfishness, so I could start working on it. And I want to make that clear to you too, so that you can detect it and see it in your own life, so that you can hate the sin and have a godly sorrow over it. I don't want us to walk out of here with a worldly sorrow and slash ourselves feeling bad for what we've not done. That's not what God wants. That doesn't please God. What pleases God is when we see our sin, we're like, man, I've not really been about my purpose. I've not really been giving. I've not really been open. Whatever it might be, you know, in these areas. But going after that and being like having a godly sorrow, like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to hurt God in that way. Becoming indignant and repenting from it, right? It's like, that's what God wants, and that's what fires him up is when we choose to do that. We talked about that with Jada and the cross study last night. It's like, he doesn't want you beaten down and sad. He wants you to be like, man, that's not good. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, I'm fired up to do what God wants me to do, right? And that, that encourages God. Um, another thing that, uh, another area that I know is not a selfish and probably you guys can relate, is at home. Isn't it like when you get home, you're just like, well, I've been a disciple all day. I just want to turn off, right? It's like, I'm tired. I've been denying myself. I've been sharing my faith. I've been doing all this stuff. And that was just, when I got went home, I just wanted to turn off. And, um, and I didn't necessarily go straight to my room, but I know in a sister's household, I used to do that. I used to just go straight to my room, like, hey guys, hey, I hope your days is good, and get inside my room, and just like turn on Netflix and zone out. And, um, and it's even when we turn home, of course there's a time for everything, right? There's a time to be able to relax, have some like... It is. We need that moment of like, especially for us introverts, it's like we need a little bit of that. But we don't want to go selfish, right? It's okay if that we need a little bit of like, I just need to not talk to anyone for like a little bit. Amen. Communicate that. But I think we know the difference when we're being, you know, shutting down from a long day of giving versus we've been out all day, not really giving, not sharing our faith, and then we come home to rest. Many of us are living in households, about to live in households. I want you to, to hold each other accountable. Is are you are, are the sisters in your household selfish when they come home? Because I know sisters could see it, and no one said anything to me. Mm-hmm. I, amen. You know, it's like maybe they felt like intimidated because I'm the leader, but it doesn't matter. It's like we're all standard is the same. We're all disciples, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I want you to challenge the sisters in your household if they're being selfish. To help them to be selfless, to come into the fold, come into the fellowship, and be open with one another. Yeah. Amen. Um, the other area we can be selfish in is in the worship. Um, oh, sorry. I'm supposed to be going over all the good things that God could do through all this. Sorry. Just a second. Uh, first period of the conversation. Okay, so when you first come here in that conversation, 
conversation. You know what happens is actually you leave the conversation feeling refreshed. Yes. It took a long time to. Sometimes some people are real quiet in the fellowship. You gotta dig it. Out. Yeah, dig it out of them. But it's like you know what? That, you make that person feel super loved because if no, I'm sure if they're like that, no one in the world is willing to dig that out of them. Mm-hmm. No one in the world is willing to ask question after question after question after question. Oh my gosh, what should I talk about? What's your favorite color? Have you been on the district line? <laughs> 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 well, about this person. But no one in the world is persevering through a conversation. They're going to remember you making that effort. Uh, being selfless at service, bringing people. You know what? It changes your church experience when you bring someone else. Because you're like, oh, the song's starting. Uh, okay, here, here's the song sheet. It's like, it gives you a reason to use the song sheet, right? Or it gives you a reason to use the songbook to help someone else to learn it. Um, you, you know, Taniwa or Colby's preaching, you're like looking over at your guests like, are they good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, that's totally for her. Okay, I'm coming back. Oh, no, at home, at home. Sorry. When you're at home and you're like, I'm so tired. The last thing I want to do is talk more. And you come. And this actually ends up being this really enjoyable conversation. You're just kind of at ease. And you're like, man, I'm so glad I, like, stayed out in the living room and talked with everyone instead of just going straight to my room. Because you know what happens when you go straight to your room? You do feel it. You feel your selfishness Mm. in that room. When you're watching Netflix... When you're, you know, do, that's what I do. But whenever it is that you're doing whatever it is, and you can't fully enjoy it, and you try and turn it off, no, 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 it's, I'm, I had a long day. You know, like, just fine. You can't 100% enjoy that rest. Whereas if you came home, you fellowshiped, etc., then it's like, guys, I'm going to take a little hour break and watch some, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever you like yeah. to watch. Uh, that's pure. Um, okay. Uh, in the worship. Okay. Um, who, who has come to service and we're like, okay, we're singing glory, glory again. It's like, wow. This song. Don't sing this every single Sunday. You know, or whatever the song might be. I, I think in both regions we do our best to mix it up. But I know I've been that person. There are some kingdom songs I don't necessarily enjoy so much as all the other kingdom mm. songs. But you know what? When we get like that, and then and then I've been the person that gives like half my heart in the singing because I don't really like the song. Or I don't what? like how we're singing it. Um, but that doesn't glorify God. Because who are you singing to? God. Right? Mm, yeah. So even if you've heard glory, we've talked about this in the West region, even if you've heard glory, glory, 22,000 times like Jen has, um, you can still, that what helps you to connect and be selfless in the worship is singing wholeheartedly and singing the words, like realizing what words you are singing. And if you haven't been laying down your burdens, you're not going to be singing glory, glory. So maybe in the fellowship break, you need to lay down some of your burdens and share them with your sisters so that in the next few songs, you can be singing glory, glory, hallelujah, right? Because we've been laying down our burdens. Um, In our quiet times, we can actually be selfish in our quiet times. Gosh, now it's time to pray. I love reading my Bible. I love taking notes. I love researching. Yeah. I love all that intellectual knowledge. And then when it comes to praying, it's like, oh, giving my heart. Gosh, this is the harder part for me. Yeah. And I've shortened my prayers before because I don't 
feel like persevering through my prayer. And it's like, I don't feel like having to be bad at praying. So I just don't pray as long. Right? Can anyone relate? Yeah. yeah. Has anyone done that in a quiet time? Yeah. I've, I've definitely done that. You know, I've even done that this week, to be honest with you. And, and putting together this lesson really helped me because it helped me to see men. I've even been selfish in my times with God. It's not about me. Even that time is not about me. It's about, like, spending time with God. That's who it's about. And uh, persevering through the prayer, pers- or if prayer is the easy, easier thing for you and reading your Bible is harder, when you persevere through either or of those, you will feel like a breakthrough. God will give you a breakthrough. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of prayers where I didn't feel like praying, and I went in even faithless, like, I don't feel like I'm going to get anywhere in this. And I just made a decision, like, at the beginning, you know what, I'm just going to try... I'm just going to have faith that God wants me to get somewhere in this prayer, and I'm going to. I'm going to take it there. I'm going to take it all the way until Mm -hmm. my heart changes Mm -hmm. in this prayer. And you know what's awesome is when God really does change your heart in the prayer, it's like it's so worth it. And it's like that connection with God is irreplaceable. There's nothing like it. There's no TV show. There's no accomplishment in life like connecting with God and making making progress. Mm -hmm. But you guys see how much selfishness steals so many good things that God wants to give us? It's like there's so many good things God wants to do through all these things that sometimes we can look at as mundane activities in the kingdom Mm -hmm. or in our relationship with God. Um, But God wants to make them awesome for us. And And I really saw that in my quiet times this week is that God always wants, he always has something good that he wants to do, right? He works for the good of those who love him. It's like, that's always God's heart. That's always God's motive and what he's trying to do. And at the same time, while you have God that's trying to make something good happen, even if it's a challenging situation, like um, maybe there's a situation, um, I don't know, who's had a tough situation happen that they don't mind sharing? I got fired. Okay, come on, Okay, tough situation 101. I got fired. That's happened to me, too, as a disciple. It's tough. Okay, so you get fired. And God, I'm not sure the reason. You don't need to go into detail, necessarily. But um, God actually wants to do something good with that. Which is kind of like, how? (laughs) Right? In the moment. But it's like, the awesome thing is, is like, God's like, this is perfect for concise character. This is exactly what she needs. Some of it, of course, is some of it could be your own sin. Some of it could be like you did absolutely nothing wrong and you got fired. In either situation, I think the thing is for us is like we have to see God through it. Mm-hmm. What I really appreciate is I'm going through First and Second Samuel is David. When David's in the cave and he cuts off the pit, like piece of Saul's robe and he feels conscious stricken and he's like, how could I do that to my leader and he even calls him my lord i am your servant he understood god wanted to do god is god's sovereignty he understood fully god's sovereignty that like you know what i don't like the fact that i'm having to um be killed or you know pursued to be killed by my leader but i'm gonna trust that god's doing something and god's actually doing something good and i think what happens is satan is also working actively and trying to twist that and to make it something bad. And I think a lot of times instead of seeing like and believing God's heart is like good in what he's doing, we buy into what Satan says that this is bad for us. Mm-hmm. That this is too much for us. Mm-hmm. And um 
and it, it, it draws us further away from God. And it's obvious when it happens, because we're not our happy self. We're not fired up. We're downcast. And, um, and we're not enjoying fellowship. We're not enjoying these different amazing things that God's doing for us. And I just really saw that in David's heart. was like, wow, it didn't matter who his leader was. It didn't matter his situation. He truly believed God's heart was that he was doing something awesome. And he also understood that Satan wanted to twist it. And make it something really bad. Um, but I think when we can grasp hold of that concept that God is doing something in your character, He is trying to change and actively wants you to become a better person, uh, a better disciple, that um, we'll persevere through that pain. We'll go through those that long prayer that it takes. Um, coming back to the scripture, though. Um, it also created division in the group, right? All these guys are going back and forth at each other. Um, and that's what we see happens with selfishness. It actually ruins relationships. But serving forges relationships in the body of Christ. So they were competitive and uh, yeah, competitive with one another. But um, God is trying to forge closer relationships with them. Um but yeah, something that I think is very important that I really saw this week as well is just our motivation in serving. And so, um, yeah, because the opposite of selfishness, I really think, is having a servant's heart, right? And it's like doing, considering others better than yourself. And, um, and yeah, I just say it's our motivation in serving because we can have a worldly focus when we serve. And I've noticed this for myself. And I was—I just did a Bible study on it. And um, one of the definitions of like a worldly focus and servitude is that we make self-satisfaction. Satis- sorry, we make self-satisfaction the goal. So we have a greater concern of self-fulfillment than pleasing God. So it's like we're actually in serving. We can end up serving for self-love to feel good about ourselves. We can end up serving for praise. And I'm like. Yeah, I've definitely done that and then served kind of in vain and been bitter about it afterwards. Like, I did a lot of work. Like, how could you not lift me up for this? You know, it's like that took a lot of energy. But it's like because I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing it to get that um, praise. Like, wow, Rebecca, you did such a great job. Like, that was amazing. Blah, blah. This isn't always, but you know, it's like it, it can be my heart, absolutely. And, um, and then when I don't get that, it's like I'm unfulfilled. But if you serve for the purpose of doing it for God, you'll be fulfilled whether or not you get praise and whether or not you get results. Um, but it's not about getting my needs met. It's about meeting the needs of other. And it's if we're looking for self-satisfaction and servitude, it's not enough to sustain that servitude. Eventually, it will, it will die out. So let's look at um, just two scriptures. So we're going to look at Romans 12. Oh, Appreciate it, um, Victoria, again, just at it, unity, uh, reading this scripture, and um, at the beginning, Romans 12, and actually, since she already read it in the NIV, and most of us actually mm-hmm. know what it's saying, yeah. you know, I'm just going to read it once in the NIV, and then once in the next verse. Okay. So, NIV says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm actually going to take advantage of this piece of water. Drink water. <laughs> Glass of water. <laughs> good, good, good. 
Thank you. Okay, in the message version, um, you guys can look it up on your phones if you have it, but don't spend too much time doing it. It says in verse 1, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Mm-hmm. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Right. And I love that. Yeah. Because it's like, wow, God is trying to bring the best out of you. That's why yeah. he wants you to die to yourself. Because <laughs> he understands yeah. you cannot bring the best out of you. You tried it. You done did fail. And that's why you're here in this room, right? Because we all tried to bring the best out of ourselves. Jessica was reading a self-help book because she was trying to bring the best out of herself. And she was like, this this isn't working, right? And she, she picked up her Bible, and that helped to bring the best out of her. And um, I appreciate that. And I want us to buy into that, that that is God's <coughs> using situations in your life to bring the best out of you, not the worst. And um, the Amplified Version says, To be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. And... Um, and what I, what I appreciate in this scripture, there's just so much, honestly. Um, if we start at the very beginning, it says, um, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I have tried to die to myself and done it on my own strength. And it doesn't last very long. <clears throat> the scripture says it teaches us how to do it. It says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. So, what does mercy mean? Maybe a raise of hands. Who does? What do you guys think mercy means? You don't have to be right. I don't care if you're super wrong. Spot on. When we don't receive something bad that we deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This definition is fluffy, but that's what it means. It's like when you don't, when you get some. Say it again. <laughs> when when you, you deserve punishment and you don't get it. Exactly. Okay. I want you guys to take one minute and write down how God has been merciful to you this year. As many things as you can think of. One minute. <laughs> Okay, who can share how God has been merciful to them this year? 
Oh, Sam, go ahead. <laughs> um, becoming a disciple, GLC, speaking with my family and the household, um, counseling and passing the university. Okay. Who else? You can share how yeah, shout it. Um, passing my exam. Mm. My crazy blood test results over the year. Mm. I thought I was dying, I wasn't dying. Anyways, um, Praise God. I'm not allowing me to give up on my training here. Getting my job now. Um, getting any phone and anything to my pounds. And I do have chocolate today. <laughs> um, and my teeth, my family members like seeking out to God. Yeah. Amen. How about one more? Okay. Vienna. Oh, wait. Okay, Liberty then Vienna. <laughs> okay, it's uh, God has blessed me in my finances, mm-hmm. home, relationships, and most of all in being inside. Yippee! Yay! Yippee. Liberty did a great communion uh, two weeks ago. Okay. No, it's not it's not Sunday. Sunday. Oh my gosh, that just flew. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was two weeks ago. Oh, I think because we put together the order of service for this upcoming week. Liberty, she. It, Flying colors. Flying colors. Yeah. 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 Um, for uh, me, that Ada has been a great help. Yeah. God has really sent an angel over <laughs> to help. Um, my husband finishing his master and being full time mm. really helps us. Uh, help with the house, travel location, mm. and also finances. Like when you're stuck, it just comes from nowhere. Mm. Yeah. God's Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, Whatever you guys wrote on your paper, it says that's the reason that you become a living sacrifice for God. Because you're grateful for those things. Mm-hmm. God was merciful. He didn't treat you as your sins deserved. And um and yeah, I think when you take time to write down all of the ways that God has not treated you as your sins deserve to be treated. So if you can think through some situations where you deserved like pow-pow for what you did and God had mercy on you like that will soften your heart so much I want you guys to take time in your prayer tomorrow just to pray solely through how God has been merciful to you so that you can make the decision to be a living sacrifice and I love God's heart why does he want you to be a living sacrifice like the message version says to bring the best out of you. Mm. It's not so that you won't enjoy your life. He wants you to enjoy it more than, uh, even more than you are. Um, I'm just going to go over just a few practicals. Or oh, actually, let's look at one last picture in Colossians three. In verse twenty-two. Um, it says, slaves, obey your mirth- earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, mm-hmm. not for human masters, mm-hmm. since you, you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I think for us, we have to fight to remember this. It says, why uh, why do we obey our earthly masters? It says, uh, or how? It says, one, with sincerity of heart. So not doing it with 
ulterior motives, like for ourselves, <laughs> right? This is like with sincerity of heart that we, because of God's mercy, we genuinely want to lay our lives down. And two, out of reverence for God. And so, like, understanding that who we're serving is God. When you're ushering at the EMC and it's getting tough and people are blaming you for things that maybe you didn't do, it's God. You are serving. Respond in such a way that you have reverence for God and God's people. Because the way that we treat God's people is a reflection of how we treat God. As much as you may not want to believe that or buy into that, it is true um, that it's it's pretty equal. Yeah. Um, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. I think about David getting the 200 foreskins from the Philistines when he was asked to get 100. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever task you've been given, give, do that plus some. If you've been asked to greet someone at the, air, at the airport, greet them at the airport and bring them, you know, I don't know, a little cost of coffee. Or you tired. You know, it's like if someone um, asks you to run an errand for them and they wanted something from Subway, get them from something from Subway and a drink. Right? It's like, it doesn't always have to be monetary, but it's like if, um, you know, you guys can think of these different examples, but don't just settle it doing the bare minimum. Like, right. t- fine, I did it. It's like, there you go. There's your whatever. Fill in the blank. But do that plus more. Because we have it in our, if you have it in your means to do it, do so. And it doesn't have to be money, money wise. You know, it could just be a glass of water. Things like that was encouraging. Um, But, you know, things like that. Um, But I would encourage you with a few things. Um, With, when it comes to coming to anything at the EMC, but this is just anything in general, come early. Don't come late. Um, come 15 minutes early. And for things at the EMC, come an hour early. Um, make, when you're in the fellowship, like what Victoria is doing, make direct eye contact with the person that you're talking to. Like they're the only person in the room. I think this is something that we could work on all as disciples because it's something that happens even in service and stuff. Uh-huh. It's like you're distracted by what's happening yep. behind the other person. And I've been making a more conscious effort to just 100% attention as if no one else is in the room on on that one person because you know what it makes you feel special and even when things are going crazy in the background you're like oh that person's still like they're not even paying attention to it they're just paying attention to me it's great and um have real conversations in the fellowship like we talked about be open be honest and finally go the extra mile but i think that we have this heart and going into the emc really going to bless us, but the other thing is, is that we're going to really live a life that's to the full. So, um, yeah, with that, I, um, I close out Women's Midweek, and uh, Vienna's going to come up and do the close, and then we're going to break up for a degree so you can share um, about your own selfishness. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.